Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on Ground Zero dot radio in the aftermath fm application you can download that for free you can listen to the secret teachings as i'm sure some of you are later on after the initial broadcast 
in the free archive on the website, which also has links to the various podcast radio players, or you can search the show name on those players and find the show. It is monetized, so you have to listen to those monetized ads. I don't put those ads in there, but I can take them away from the archive if you subscribe on the website. That's how we support ourselves. That's how we finance this show. Or you can buy one of my books. I'd highly recommend this month of October either buying Occult Arcana or my new book, Liberty Shrugged. You can read reviews of those books on the website. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. You can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. We do have a secondary option outside of PayPal now to subscribe or buy a book. It is the cash app, the money sign, RD Gable. That's the tag for our account, RD Gable, and the money sign to start. So money sign RD Gable. We also have a new email. You can always email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That email is so old, I think it's going into spam boxes now. I don't think I'm, I'm getting these messages I'm sending out to, to, to listeners and to guests. So unless we already have a correspondence from before. So my new email that I'm going to be using for guests and listeners is tstradio at protonmail.com. That's tstradio at protonmail.com. You know, every holiday season, there's always that special hot gift. There's a hot toy item. Everybody wants the item. And people go to the mall or nowadays they, well, I guess I'm dating myself. Everybody goes to the mall. Do people go to the mall anymore? I don't think so. Well, we order it online now. We stumble over ourselves to order it online. We stumble over our phones to order it online. There's always an endless selection of overpriced things we don't need. And we spend money that we don't have and that doesn't exist on those things that we don't need. There's always that hot item, though. And uh, sometimes there's more than one item. Could be a toy. It could be something that is toy-like. It could be an adult-type toy, like, you know, electronics, TVs, phones, whatever. And, I mean, we have shopping at our fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So the process of gift exchange, although it's still very much rooted and embedded in our culture, seems to be, from my perspective, seems to be slightly evaporating. It's almost like we're losing part of the the gift-giving, social, cultural, uh, community exchange. It's almost like we're losing that to some degree. I'm not sure how quantifiable that is. That's just a feeling I have. But when you think of Christmas toys, I mean, I don't know what the kids want for Christmas nowadays. They probably want guns and fentanyl and iPhone 30. But when you look at something like a very closely related, and we'll talk about this more on Thursday this week, we have a show called Halloween or Halloween, Upsetting the Pumpkin Cart. And on that show, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this. And, and, and this is the idea that Halloween and Christmas are actually very similar holidays. I know that might sound strange, but they're very similar holidays. They're, in fact, they're almost identical in a lot of ways. Uh, all that's described in my book, Occult Arcana. But I bring that up because for Christmas, there's all kinds of toys, right? But for Halloween, it's not really a gift-giving holiday per se. It's more of a treat-giving holiday. We give out candy. We give out cookies. We give out maybe soda. I think some people give out soda. 
Some people uh, probably are handing out ballots, you know, this year. Who knows? That's that's a popular thing. So Halloween, Halloween, All Hallows Eve, all this, you know, there there is a there is a gift that goes along with it, I think. And it's becoming more and more of, if not a gift, at least a a, a cultural and pop cultural symbol of Halloween and the weird and the wacky and the woohoo, as the late Kev Baker used to call it, and the spooky and all these other things like this. And that is the talking board or the Ouija board. There's a difference between them. It's a, it's it's the name. Uh, the Ouija board is kind of like Kleenex, but the talking boards, the uh, the uh, letter boards, these boards, the spirit boards, these they're all talking boards and spirit boards. The Ouija board is a specific kind of board that's been patented. I'm going to have my good friend of almost a decade, Karen A. Dolman, on the show tonight. She's a secretary with the Talking Board Historical Society, established back in 2013. She's also She's got a huge background in everything from uh, archetypical art therapy to hypnosis, past life regression, channeling. And she's been doing Ouija boards, collecting them and practicing with them for decades, literally. She's going to be joining us on the show to describe this and break this down a little bit more. But basically, from what I understand, the Ouija board is patented. It's still a talking board or a spirit board. Like Kleenex is Kleenex. It's still a tissue but you can find other tissues. There's still tissues. Uh, they're just not Kleenexes. Same thing with like Tide for you know washing your clothes and things like that. So the talking board, the spirit board, I mean, these things are really, really popular. Like really, 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 really popular. And when I've I've gone out and uh, I've gone out into a couple of these Halloween stores recently, and I've noticed it seems like every year the Ouija board section gets larger. I don't know if that's just me, but it seems like the Ouija board section gets larger and larger and larger. This year I saw they did have a palmistry tapestry hanging up next to the Ouija board stuff. But other than that, the novelty stuff was like Ouija board cups, mugs, glasses, Ouija board clocks, Ouija board calendars, Ouija board Pillows. We I almost got Karen Dolman one actually. Uh, I don't know if she she has a Ouija board pillow. I'll have to, I'll have to ask her. Uh, Ouija board wallets. Ouija board keychains. Ouija board like underwear, pants, clothing, uh, mouse pads. You know, it's just like any whatever you can think of to slap a Ouija board on. They've put a Ouija board on. Now I don't know about cups, but if you've got a mouse pad, if you've got like a blanket or a pillow, these are. Ouija boards, these are talking boards. You could actually use the mouse pad. Like, I have a mouse pad. I have a Ouija board mouse pad. And uh, the Ouija board mouse pad that I have in mouse pads, so I could take, I don't know, I could take, um, I could take like a little CD with the hole in the middle, and I could use that on the board. And you can do this, you know, Karen will explain it. You can do this with pretty much anything. You can make it out of a paper bag. You can make it out of, you know, low quality or high quality computer paper, marker, pen, pencil, whatever. I mean, I guess you could draw it in your blood. I wouldn't recommend that because that that energy will draw down certain things you probably don't want to deal with. But you can make a Ouija board pretty much pretty much out of anything, a talking board, a spirit board. And these are super popular today, I think, because they're almost like 
They're almost like a, it's like a TV dinner. That's what a Ouija board is. It's like a TV dinner. It comes prepackaged. It's mostly now cardboard with stickers on them, plastic little planchette, piece of plastic instead of an actual nail in the in the eye of the window of the planchette. And now they these Ouija boards is there's a dime a dozen, and they got glow in the dark Ouija boards. They got mass produced spirit Halloween store Ouija boards. They've got uh, you know the the classical Ouija boards. They've got you know, Ouija boards in every shape, style, color. I'm sure there's an LGBTQ board. There's, there's all kinds of boards, all kinds of boards. You're not going to get much out of that one. If it's just LGBTQ, I mean, what are you going to get out of that? It's going to, you're going to, you're not going to have much to talk about. So <laughs> these boards are, I think, prepackaged like TV dinners and people like it because it allows them to easily with a visual tool, a visual aid, attempt to communicate with things beyond the physical. And that is the point of the board to communicate with things beyond the physical, uh, the super physical or the super physical. I actually read an interesting article last week. I usually don't like these fluff pieces, but I saw this article from USA Today um, and Good Morning America and some others. And it says, grandmother made Ouija boards for her funeral. And she left a little note on them that says, let's keep in touch. I thought this was kind of funny. A Jody Perryman, who died of cancer at 81, prepared for her funeral by making handmade Ouija boards for her guests. The unexpected keepsake also included a photo of Perryman sticking her tongue out and putting her middle fingers up in the air, along with a little note that read, let's keep in touch. And then there's a picture of it. You can see the picture of the older lady. Let's keep in touch. And it's a little tiny, I'm not sure if it's a sticker or if she printed them as a little tiny Ouija board, it's probably no bigger than if you take your thumb and maybe, well, maybe your index finger. It's like the length of an index finger. Maybe it's not, it's not very big. And then there's like a little tiny black planchette. And it looks like the classical board with the sun, moon, the yes, no board, uh, or what they used to call the Ouija, Ouija, French, German, yes, yes board. Uh, I think Karen said that's not necessarily what it means. So you got the planchette there and you got this little, this little board that's kind of that's kind of fun. I mean, I guess that's I guess I got an idea now for for my death. If anybody comes to my funeral, I'm going to give out give out Ouija, give out Ouija boards and uh, tell people to keep in touch with the board. You know, which is it's like Stranger Things with the lights, right? And she, you know, Winona Ryder's character, she paints the letters on the wall and then Will on the other side. He lights up the light bulbs above the letters, and it's it's basically a, a talking board, a spirit board, but it's made out of paint and lights and all that. Uh, which those those costumes, Stranger Things costumes. You've seen Stranger Things costumes. They're like the one of the top costumes this year. These things are like ninety dollars almost. They had a, they had Dustin's hair for like eighty bucks. Just the hair, no costume, just the hair. It's just I can't believe people are paying that kind of money. But I guess I guess they want to they want to play Stranger Things. So the talking board, the spirit board, the Ouija board. These are tools. They're prepackaged. They're like TV dinners. For people that want to communicate with the other side. Now, Halloween is a great time to do that because the veil is thinned, the black horse rides upon the earth, the apocalypse occurs, the great unveiling, it's the final judgment, the wane of souls, the black horse carries the scales, and so on and so forth. We'll talk more about this on Thursday's show this week. And I'm skipping over Wednesday because tomorrow we're going to do something totally unrelated, totally different. But Thursday, we'll have a show, Halloween or Halloween, I think I'm going to call it, Upsetting the Pumpkin Cart. 
So that show, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the details of all this. Uh, should be a really good show. But there are all kinds of different forms of divination. And divination is popular throughout all of the major sabbats. Particularly, it's, I think, more so famous in scholarly circles with Beltane and Samhain, or Samhain Halloween, which are directly across from each other. April 30th, October 31st, directly across each other on the will of the year. So maybe there's a reason there. They cross each other, uh, or they cross and connect with each other across the wheel. And uh, also we're crossing and connecting with those on the other side during the lifting of the veil season, which is the fall of man or the fall of the veil. And there are lots of forms of divination, lots of different forms of divination. I'm sure that, I mean, just I want you to think for a second. I don't want to have any dead air here, but I want you to think for a second. Like what, what is a form of divination that you know? Think about it for a second. Give you just a second. Think about it. What, what's a form of divination you know? Or what's a form of predicting the future you know? You've got common things like crystal balls. We refer to that as crystallomancy. You've got things like necromancy, which comes in a variety of different names. Negromancy, N-I-G-R-O-mancy. Necromancy. There is a practice pretty much like necromancy. It's negromancia. N-I-G-R-U-M-E-N-C-I-A. There's necro, N-E-K-R-O, manti, or manti. So it'd be necromanti, like necromancy. And then there, which is the origin. And then there's psychagogues, which is partly like necromancy. Uh, a lot of you probably know tea leaves. You know, you read the tea leaves. J.K. Rowling made that very popular, which I always say, by the way, that woman is initiated in something. She didn't just write that story on a napkin. Come on. Come on. She, if, you're, if you've ever studied anything esoteric or occult, you know that woman is part of a, of a secret society, a secret order, or somebody gave her something to use as the basis for her story because it's, <laughs> it's not a, well, you get the idea. It's not just fun and games. There's, there's a deeper meaning to Harry Potter, but you got the tea leaves in Harry Potter, right? Then there's also oracles. So there's, I mean, there's oracle tarot cards, but you know there's also the oracles, like the Oracle of Delphi, the Oracle of uh, of, uh, of Amon, which Alexander the Great uh, confronted, which designated him like a, a child of or a son of or something, something like a son of Amon. Um, and then there's the story, the whole connection to the Emerald Tablet in regard to Alexander the Great and that oracle. There's cartomancy. This is maybe getting a little bit away from what the average person might think of when they think of divination, but it's basically what it sounds like. Cartomancy, card, like cart, not card, but cart. I guess you could spell it cardomancy, but just think cardomancy, cartomancy. It sounds very similar. Cartomancy is basically fortune telling, fortune telling or divination through a deck of cards. Then you have, um, I always had one hell of a time for some reason pronouncing this, this one. Uh, most people don't know it by its by its actual name, but it's it's a haru species or haruspici. Uh, it's basically the practice of divination, and sounds gross. It's a little bit gross, but when we think about the history of it, it's probably not as gross as we think because different time period, different living conditions, different situations. It's basically the divination by animal entrail. And not all the animals were killed um, 
for hunting, they were killed as a sacrifice. And then the priests come in and they come through, uh, they come through the, they come through with like a knife and they cut it open and they pull the entrails out and they divine the future from that. So those are some of the, the forms of divination. I mean, the necromancy or necromanty comes from the Greek word, which means corpse divination. So you summon like John D right. John D and Edward Kelly, uh, they summon the famous image of the, the summoning of the, the dead, which I think there's a picture of that in my book, Occult Arcana, uh, at thesecretteachings.info. You can buy a copy, or if you're a subscriber, you can just read it there as part of your subscription. Uh, so divination through corpse. The, uh, Francis Barrett, who wrote an amazing book called The Magus, he asserts that there are two kinds of necromancy. They include, quote, raising the carcass, which is not done without blood. That's why I said be careful if you don't want to use blood to make your, make your board or do anything because the, the, the essence, the smell, draws in uh, darker things. Sometimes, not always. Although that whole, that whole blood drinking thing at church, I mean, that's... Well, I got in trouble last time I said that. Uh, and then there's psyomancy, which is basically necromancy, but that's when you call up the shadow. So psyomancy or seomancy, it's spelled S-C-I-O-mancy, psyomancy, is kind of like, I'm sure that my magical friends will disagree with me, the friends of mine who practice ceremonial magic, but I think psyomancy kind of sounds like some of the work that they do in the Golden Dawn. Kind of sounds like the contacting of your holy guardian angel. It sounds very Jungian. It sounds like what we talked about with Anthony Tyler last week. Kind of sounds like you're doing shadow work. So it's, you know, you can perform necromancy without blood, without carcasses, you just are basically contacting your, your higher self. Francis Barrett explains necromancy as, quote, necromancy has its name because it works on the bodies of the dead and gives answers by the ghosts and apparitions of the dead and subterraneous spirits alluring them into the carcasses of the dead by certain hellish charms and infernal invocations and by deadly sacrifices and wicked oblations. I mean, if you, you find that hard to follow, you know, Try reading the Magus. It's a very complicated book to, uh, to, to pick up and try to understand uh, what's being said. Some of it's an allegory, metaphor, etc. But there's a whole other list of um, kind of fun forms of divination. You know, I always tell people, uh, especially Christian people, because I grew up Christian, we'd have like apple bobbing. I didn't know this as a kid, but when I got older, I learned apple bobbing is actually a form of divination. Whoever can bite the apple out of the water or it used to be hanged on a tree hanged man, hanged apple, which is referencing, of course, the Edenic apple or pomegranate in the garden, the tree of life, which is just a, it's a symbolic story. So you have the tree with the apple hanging on it, you bite it, and usually, it de- I guess it depends on the culture. Every culture is probably a little bit different, and you know people make up their own traditions, but usually it signifies who's going to be married next, because Halloween was the beginning of a new year. We know we have spring weddings because of weather. Well, for the Druids and for a lot of uh, other ancient people, they believed, Celtic people, the Druids, the priestly class, like the Gnostics or the Christian priestly class, Sufis from Islam and uh, Kabbalists for for Jews. So you have have, uh, this idea that November 1st is really the start of the new year. So I guess it would be a good time to get married. So whoever bites the apple, apple harvest, apple on the Edenic tree, whoever bites the apple out of the water on the string, that's who's going to be married next, just like the throwing of the bouquet of flowers. And that is a divinatory pagan practice, but churches have it 
almost every single year, which I find really funny and really ironic. And if you, you know, if you go to a church or if you know people that go to a church, that's just kind of funny. I, I don't hate you. If, hate people that go to church. I don't hate church. I'd rather go to church than an Antifa rally. You know what I'm saying? But I just, there's an, there's such an irony there. We don't do pagan things. Okay. Well then stop the apple bobbing because that's pretty pagan. Although it's pagan has this implication when really all it is, is just, it's just humans being humans. <laughs> so that's all that it is. Uh, we have a lot of other, um, a lot of other different types of things like, and this is really interesting, uh, the Ouija board, talking board, spirit board is very similar to electromancy, uh, electromancy which is A-L-E-C-T-R-O, not E-Electro, electromancy. Divinations by, mean, uh, by means of a rooster. So basically you, if this, is, this is kind of a cool practice, you, you make like a circle out of letters, and then you put grain next to the letters and wherever the chicken or the rooster, whatever it is, the, the, the cock, the, the bird, whatever it picks at, that's the letter. It's kind of a funny little practice. There is astragali, astragali, which is divination by knuckle bones of animals. That's a weird one. Forerunner to dice, actually. Ostromancy, divination by wind. There's bibliomancy, which I've talked about dozens of times on this show. There's capnomancy, divination by interpretation of smoke from a burnt offering. This is a common practice uh, in Japanese uh, magical tradition. Cartomancy, I told you, which was like reading tarot cards and playing cards. There's serioscopy or seriomancy, divination by wax in the substance uh, when the substance is melted into a brass bowl, stirred and fully liquefied, and then poured into another bowl. And however the wax moves, that's what you get. Uh, and then you got some others. Hepato, uh, hepatoscopy, sounds like a scope. Hepatoscopy, divination by the liver of a sacrificial offering. Leconomancy, divination by pouring water into, a, uh, into oil or into a bowl of, uh, bowl of oil. Uh, libo or libonomancy, divination by smoke through the usage of incense, wood, or other fuels. And then you have oomancy, which is divination by an egg, which is a really funny kind of a little thing. And the last one I can recall here and what I've got in front of me Pagomancy, divination by studying springs or fountains. It's interesting. I mean, there's a bunch of others. There's scrying, of course, looking into black mirrors, turtle shells, uh, rhabdomancy, divination by the wand, plumbomancy, uh, divination by lead dripped into water. There's all, there's all kinds. They're all in my book, Occult Arcana. Grab a copy at thesecretteachings.info and stay with us. Karen A. Dahlman, coming up next on The Secret Teachings, the talking board, the Ouija board. A wee look at your board. The Ouija board, talking board, spirit board tonight on The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrug to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. 
We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This week on The Secret Teachings, as we discussed last week as well, moving toward Halloween, some more Halloween-themed shows. Last week we talked with Anthony Tyler about the subconscious and archetypes relating to the fall months, the black horse of the apocalypse and the wane of the souls like Anubis in Egypt and the Hall of Judgment. Because the black horse holds scales just like Anubis, just like Santa Morte, we're going to talk a lot more about Halloween as the week goes on. Tonight, I thought we would, I would give you a treat tonight. I, I hope that um, you've heard of our guest this evening in the past. Uh, I'm sure that you have if you listen to The Secret Teachings. Karen Dolman is joining us tonight to talk about the Ouija board, or the Ouija board, as some people say, the Ouija board. And uh, Karen and I share a lot in common when it comes to the Ouija board because I don't think that it's an evil tool and a lot of people who have perhaps enjoyed the secret teachings over the last few weeks. So we've we talked a lot about uh, revelations and the four horse of the apocalypse and the lifting of the veil, which is also the apocalypse, the great unveiling, and how the black horse of the apocalypse uh, in Revelation represents the coming of the changing of the seasons, just like the pale horse is winter, the white horse is spring, the red horse is summer. A little bit different tonight on the show, talking about the Ouija board. I know that gets people worked up because it's an evil thing. 
I don't think it's an evil thing. I think it's no different than bibliomancy. You know, you look at the Bible, it's ink and paper and cardboard and, you know, you open it and what does God want me to read today? But I don't know as much about the history of the Ouija board as Karen Dahlman does. Karen and I have known each other for a long time. She was nice enough to come back on the show tonight. She'll be with us for the rest of the broadcast. Really appreciate you coming on, Karen. How have you been? And tell us a little bit quickly for anybody who doesn't know, who is Karen Dahlman? Where can they find you online? And then let's go into the Ouija board. Boy, there's so much to say already. <laughs> Listen, it's great to be here with you again, Ryan. And hello, everybody in the audience. I, I miss not being here with you guys. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And what a perfect time to come out and talk about the Ouija board, spirit boards or talking boards, because everybody has like a synonymous uh, meaning to them, which is usually about omens and demons and devils and Halloween. And I find it funny, but yeah, so my thing is that I use the Ouija board, been using it since 1973. I really enjoy this tool and get into that. Um, but definitely there's a lot of uh, Ouija stitions, we call it superstitions about the board. And my thing is that I found a way to use it where for me, it's been nothing but very positive experiences. So I always talk about the flip side to the Ouija board, which is the positive side to it. As I have found myself, Karen, when I use the Ouija board, it's always been a positive experience. Sometimes it's a little weird, but nothing dark, nothing demonic, nothing evil. It's always been a very positive, sometimes enlightening experience. So you, you mean to tell me you never became possessed? As far as I know, I've never become possessed. As far as I know, uh, nothing around me has burst into flames, maybe temporarily, and then it went <laughs> out. But yeah, my board's been hanging. I've got the one you sent me on the wall into the studio. I've got another one, which is a cloth board above my bookshelf. And I've got a third one, which is this... A glass Ouija board cup that I got as a gift here on my desk. And none of them have erupted in flames yet, surprisingly. Nice. Very nice. Well, okay. So yeah, I've got, I'm up to about 85 boards now since we last spoke. You've got At 85. Least. So, so you've got, At least. <laughs> you got a lot more than I do. It's a lot of boards. Right. So, you know, you guys, I collect boards and I'm really into that. I'm into the artwork behind them. My favorite board is always the Ouija board. And so just for people that are listening, there's a difference between talking boards, spirit board and Ouija boards. And, and Ryan, do you know what that difference is? I have an idea, but why don't you explain it? You could probably explain it way better than what my uh, ignorant attempt will be. Sounds great. Sounds great. So you guys, the Ouija board is a trademark patented name. So not all boards are Ouija boards. Although everybody calls these kind of talking boards Ouija boards, it's like calling every tissue Kleenex, but it's not. So spirit boards, talking boards are, is, is not a patented or trademark name, but Ouija is. So that's, that's the big difference, but they all look similar. They have the numbers, the letters, yes, no, some kind of salutation and maybe goodbye. Um, and sometimes they have symbols on it. They may have the, I, I don't know, I have some that have runic symbols on it or astrological symbols, or some might even have some words on it or pictures. So that's really the big deal. The Ouija board is just a patent and a trademark name. And, um, you know, Ouija, Ouija started in 1890 and got its patent in 1891. But the board first came out, the talking board first came out in 1886. So that's kind of, that's kind of where it started. It didn't start back in ancient Greece or China. Everybody's talking and saying that it is. If somebody's saying that online, they're wrong. Now, I'm from the Talking Board Historical Society. All of our historians have done all the research on this. There is no indication that a Ouija that we know today or a Talking Board that we know of today that consists of a board, like I just explained to you, an indicator was not out back then, but there were other kinds of divination tools. I was going to that ask that. So they, had, they, they definitely had other divinatory tools, especially around Halloween. It's a big time for divination. 
that's very true. You know, like um, scrying. Everybody loves to scry at Halloween. The crystal balls. Get your crystal ball out. Yeah. So there was a lot of different divination tools, and but 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 uh, we just we just knew. New on the scene, 1886. That's pretty new. It's it's very new. So if I take a piece of paper and I draw out the numbers and the letters and the sun and the moon and all that, it's not a Ouija board. It's a talking board. Yeah, or a spirit board. Or a spirit yeah. board. Now, you could put the word the name Ouija up there, and if you try to sell it, you might get in some trouble. Right. Because <laughs> Hasbro, they own the trademark now. Now, there you'll see other companies uh, reproducing these with the name Ouija because they, they, they've got the rights to do that from Hasbro. So you will see other groups like one company is called Winning Moves. Um, they're allowed to market it because they got the rights from Hasbro. But yeah, if you're just making your one-off for yourself, you want to put Ouija at the top, no problem. But I wouldn't try to sell it. Just put now, it that way. Now, now, I've gone into a Halloween store recently. I was by a bookstore. Mm-hmm. I went in to get a book. And I've noticed that, and maybe this is just me, but you follow this all the time. You are Ouija. You look around, and I, I tend I tend to find that Ouija boards have become even more popular today. They have a whole section now at the Halloween store, the spirit store for uh, for Ouija boards. They got Ouija board pillows and wallets and glasses and pretty much anything you can imagine. Is that new? Am I just seeing that, or is it becoming more popular? It's such an interesting phenomenon. It's kind of what's happened is Ouija's taken over pop culture, and it really what influenced that is social media and the movies. And see, this whole Ouija series that you can watch, and, and they love to put Ouija in different movies, too, or, or TV shows, even. Um, you'll, you'll see some kind of form of a, of a talking board, if you will. But, yeah, so, no, they, they've been making it for, I would say, the last 10, 15 years, you're starting to see a lot of things come out so with the Ouija thing. And I have a Ouija mouse pad sitting here right in front of me, and I have Ouija mugs and Ouija glasses and Ouija everything, socks and pants and shirts and you, you name it, they've got it. And, <laughs> I was, and it's kind of fun. I was going to get, fun. I, I picked up the pillow and I said, I should get this for Karen. And, and my fiance Hope said, I bet she's already got a pillow. Do you have a pillow? I don't. Oh, the, this one you don't have. I should have gotten you the pillow. Actually, yes, I, you should have. <laughs> what were you thinking? I did. I, I, I accidentally fibbed. I just found on my desk here. I forgot until you said it. I actually have a Ouija board a mouse pad as well. So I've got four. You got four. Okay. Yeah, I don't have the pillows yet. Um, it's, it's funny. I'm trying to think if I or bought myself. I think I bought the sock. Other than that, people buy me Ouija stuff all the time. And then um, I get, I'm get. i gifted a lot of talking boards. People make them for me, which is so lovely. Now, what I've done recently, Ryan, is, is this fun for your audience, too. I have a room of woo, I call it. And the room of woo is where I'm sitting right now. And around me on the walls, I devised a system of miniature that are short shelves just to house boards on it and I can move the boards around. They're not committed to a space like you, like you probably saw in my other homes. I had them like would, would be in one spot, you, you, you know, hooked to the wall. These can move around and I've got this, they're stacked up on two walls all around me. It's really quite, now, quite now, unique. Now by move around, I mean this quite seriously. I'm sure somebody might've heard that and thought, hold on, they're moving by themselves or you're moving them around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving around you guys. Yeah. You know, I've never, all the years I've been using it, it, I'm going on 50 years next year. It's hard to believe, isn't it? 50 years, 50 years. It'll be 50 years. You, you don't, board. you don't sound or look like it. You always, I always thought you looked so young. That way you're so sweet. I, I, you know, what keeps me young. It's probably the Ouija it's the board. board. It's the system. board. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Spirit. <laughs> the spirit. Yeah. So all the years I've been using them, you guys, I've had no, uh, I've never seen a plant ship move by itself or a board move by itself. And I've had a lot of other weird things happen, but not necessarily because of the board, because of my own, my own abilities and things that I can see and do and readings and 
just, you know, we have, we all have our own aptitudes and skills and levels of being able to reach into the unseen dimensions. And so, but, but it's not because of the board, but, but I've never seen anything like that. All the years I've been around them. Never. My, my uh, the one board I have, the one that you gave me, I put it up on the wall into the studio here. And once in a while, if I accidentally, like if there's a couple, like the back door and the front door is open, I'm trying to get a draft going, some some cool air. I close my door, it kind of slams, and the board falls off the wall. So I can tell people, yeah, the board has fallen off the wall, but it's it's because <laughs> the door was the door was slammed. That's great. That's great. Oh my gosh. Well, I've had friends and people I've known, and I and I I trust them because they're good solid people and I've known them for years who have told me they've had some experiences such as that things moving. And I'm like, okay, I just, for me, it hasn't happened, but if it did, I'd be like, I'd be the first to tell you all about it. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, but, but other things can happen. Like you said, you could slam a door and maybe the thing can fall off the wall and uh, peculiar things are, can happen. I'm not, I'm not going to say it never will happen. Maybe it will someday. Well, to me. And that doesn't mean that it's, that it's dark or demonic or evil or anti-Christian. I mean, it's just like, no. You can you can take your hand and you can slap someone across the face or you can take your hand and tap someone on the shoulder and say, excuse me, you dropped your wallet. You know, it, it, just because something moves or falls off the wall, maybe something on the other side is trying to get your attention for a good reason to try I, to warn you of something. I agree. I agree. There was a time when I was in college, one of my uh, friends who used to use the board with us, too, and then she took the board to her room and um, she had it. I don't know what it was like. She had it up on the wall somehow and it kept coming down. And she said, it's worse. there was no door slamming. She just thought it would just come down. And it, to me, when she told me that, I never saw it personally, but she said she felt like it was, it was like the spirit or energy wanted to communicate with her. And so that's, that was her system of, okay, I guess it's time to use the board. <laughs> I've heard you, you, you so, uh, you've yeah. told me a similar story to that before. Yeah. And that makes sense too. Maybe it just wants to communicate and that that's a clear, obvious object of communication. You're right. That's right. I mean, that's what about, right. what about if you have, like, I grew up a Christian Baptist home, not a Christian or a Baptist anymore, but I grew up in that home and it wasn't for Baptists. It wasn't really common, but other people that were of some Christian denomination, you know, they would say, just open the Bible, point to a Bible verse and read it. And that's what God wants you to read. Well, we call that bibliomancy. It's very, very similar to any other kind of divination. It's an, mm-hmm. uns- an unseen force opening this text. Again, I, I always say it's paper, it's ink, it's cardboard. It's similar to the boards, regardless of what they're made out of, though. That, that, that doesn't really matter. But it, it's very similar. Using a Ouija board, it's not even playing with it. Using a Ouija board is no different than, as far as I'm concerned, reading the Bible. I think they're very similar. Well, you get some kind of interaction or some kind of result, something you're looking for. And I love bibliomancy. That's so much fun to do. And I'll do it even just like in, in a uh, any random book. And I'll just go, okay, what, what's the message I need to receive today? And I'll just go through a book, just my finger out, just like you said. And then I read that. And somehow you can always make, you can find a way to apply it in your life. That That's the key. Now with the Ouija board, you'll get messages and you, then you try to find a way to apply it. I mean, if you use the board like I use it. But what I like about the, the board, using the board over like other tools I have, such as bibliomancy or I do crystal uh, ball scrying or black mirror scrying or tro or um, I Ching and also, um, gosh, I've been using um, oracle cards too. What I like about the, using the Ouija board and the planchette is that you actually literally see something move because the planchette's moving with your energy and their energy, whatever that connection energy is, and it's moving. And I'm telling you guys, I'm not pushing it's moving and I'm following it, but it's that. I like that. You get a display. You get, you get to see, and Clyde Lewis calls it the, the theatrics. <laughs> you get the theatrics. <laughs> Don't you love that? The theatrics. 
to the board. You get to watch this thing move and then you feel that energy. And that to me, it sets this tool apart from so many other tools that you don't get that kind of experience. Now, I know you bring up Clyde. So Clyde, I've heard him talk about this. I've discussed this as well in regard to the board in particular. Here's an example I think of, you know, that thing they used to show in like high school or middle school, you do this trick where you put your hands on the wall and you stand in a spot, then you remove your hands and you stretch and then you stretch out again and you can't touch the wall. There's like these subtle muscle movements and contractions and things that happen that we're not aware of. And it seems almost paranormal. Is that happening with the board when 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 it seems to be moving by itself? Is it maybe a subtle thing that we're not aware of that's happening in the body or is, is that uh, something that uh, you don't believe or you're open to that? What do you think? Well, I definitely think that could be an aspect of it. Is that there's so many ways to view this and, and look at, you know, we could sound you know, intelligent and say why we think that the planchette moves. But that's one way. The science says it's the Indian motor effect, which is what you just said. It's this small muscle movements controlled by your brain, but it's on a very subconscious or unconscious level. And then you're asking a question and, and, and trying to reach the spirit and this thing starts to move. So yeah, you could be doing that. Now, this is what I say. Um, I'm okay with that explanation. And the reason why is because as Ryan knows, he's seen some of my sessions, the messages that come through are so profound. And if it's somehow my subconscious pushing it, mm-hmm. Wow, I, I'm pretty dang good at being a psychic. I was going to bring that up too, because if it is this subtle subconscious muscular movement thing, and it is totally subconscious or part of your quote higher self, something like a guardian angel, people call it a lot of different things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's still a very powerful thing, and and you don't have to perform a, a golden dawn type ritual to be able to communicate with your higher self in that way. It's a lot simpler by getting the board, setting the mood and the intention and the environment, and then performing the action. Uh, it's a little bit easier than performing these other more complex rituals. It's just a, a process and a tool in that way. And I think that's a great way to look at it. when you first come to this tool. If you say, I just want to connect with my inner self, higher self, greater self, larger self. There's many different ways you can call it. And, or your subconscious mind, you could just say that. And, but you, the thing is, you've got to get out of your brain. You've got to step aside. You can't think it's not through logic. It's very much on the right brain, not left brain. So you have to get out of that logical way of thinking or you'll stop it from moving. And so that's a trick in itself to even do that. That's a trick. And, and I say trick like loosely. What it really is, it's a, it's a skill to develop to get get out of your way to allow this to move. And so I'm not, I'm not definitely not opposed to that. Um, I, so uh, just so your audience knows, I, I communicate with not just um, transitioned people, which are the ones who we call dead or deceased, and they're very much alive. Uh, they, when they come b- back and talk with me, they're very much alive, and they've, t- they've told me that forever. But when I speak to the group of beings who I love to talk to, and, and Ryan, you've had an opportunity to speak with them as well. Yes. They're called the guides, just the guides. I call them now simply the guides. But when they come through, it's, there's, there's, I, I, I feel, I'm filled with this unconditional love. And maybe it is my, you know, maybe it just is my higher self or my um, subconscious mind doing this. But I got to tell you, there's something so much larger and bigger and wiser than I can ever even tap into. And not that I'm not giving myself credit. I, I, I think I can tap into some wise parts of my higher self, but it goes beyond that. It, it's like otherworldly. And I can feel these energies when they come through. And then they've explained it like, as if they say, well, we are we are an extension of source, but we're with source. We know we are source. The difference is you've, you've forgotten that statement that you are also source. And when I say source, all that is, the universe, the, the great matrix of all, God, all these different names we can call it. I like to use the word source with a capital F. 
because it's like this bigger part. I'm like a small source. They say, you forgot that you are source. We never forgot that. And they say we're different through a rate of vibration. And they're at a very, very high frequency, so high of a frequency. If, if I could see them at all with the apparatus in my eyes, it'd be pure light, but it'd be light that we can't see on the spectrum. They're not even in physical form. They've never even been in a human body. So, I mean, I'm already going down rabbit holes, you guys. But, but the deal is this. When I, they come through, they're, they're very much outside of me, very much separate from me. And I tap into them through consciousness and through my intentions and through this device. And that's how they've been able to come through me. And now, I don't know, Ryan, I've, I've talked about this. We're doing a lot of work off the board now and doing direct uh, channeling um, with without using this tool. Yeah, I'd like to explore all of that tonight with you. If you're just joining us, Karen Dahlman is with us. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. So it sounds like what you're describing in regard to that loving, overwhelming, positive energy, it sounds very similar to me, Karen. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but it sounds very similar to a near-death experience where people that might not have believed in anything beyond the physical suddenly have this overwhelming sense of love and compassion and they feel and, and sense their relatives or ancestors and spirits and souls, etc. It kind of sounds like the same type of energy. Well, I haven't had an NDE myself, but I will tell you, I have a friend who has and she uses the board and absolutely yes, because it's that kind of feeling and what she, it changed her trajectory in life. She's a science person. Now she's like this uh, world famous <laughs> psychic and also uses the Ouija board. And she said it was very much like that, that, that awakened her soul when she had the near-death experience. She actually had three of them. And then it awakened her so much to change the trajectory of her life. And then this Ouija board was a part of that. She was able to reach into these other dimensions. But she says it's similar in a way, but um, it does wake you up. When you can use this tool and start getting such wonderful messages and results with it, and you tap into something that's such a greater experience i i've never felt this kind of love ever <laughs> I, I gotta tell you I, I, for the past yeah maybe unconditional love but it's beyond that it actually fills my body up it's like it, it radiates from outside and it emanates within um and i i can't and i haven't like I some said, i refer to that as the presence of god well i would i would always call it spirit filling me being filled with spirit so a lot of religious practices talk about that feeling spirit and speaking in tongues from spirit. Or, I, I would say that's what it feels like if I had to put a finger on it. Um, and I, Oh, here we go. This is how I explain to people, too. If you ever have that moment, you get this aha moment, and everything feels like it's so perfectly aligned. You get giddy within, and then you're filled with, oh, my God, and appreciation. It's like that a uh, hundred times. <laughs> that's what it's like. And that's a beautiful experience that is completely contrary to the stereotype that has been perpetuated intentionally or unintentionally by Hollywood and by TV and movies, etc. Totally opposite. And also ignorantly. Also ignorantly, because I think ignorance is bliss sometimes and, and just just stay in, in people's boxes of the world that they live within. And that's just saying some people choose to do that. And that's fine. Um, and then they, they want everybody to stay in those confines. And they'll, they'll say, if you go outside those confines, whatever thing you do, they're going to say, you're wrong, that you can't do that. That's not right. That's bad. And when it comes to the Ouija board, oh, my God, you're not supposed to be talking to spirits. And I'm saying, well, I don't know. I, I, if Moses can talk to God through a burning bush, I sure could speak to you source wisdom through a piece of uh, cardboard of masonite we are so on, we are so on the same proverbial page because i was just thinking the same thing again if i open up a bible <laughs> i just i find dream interpretation i find uh, spirits being uh, communicated with by man i find god talking to man yeah burning bushes sacrifice your son i find a lot of stuff oh but that's all out of context the ouija board is different yeah sure it is so if i look at a bible let's i got a bible right here in front of me it's a uh, 
King James version. I'm just going to open it up for fun right. to prove a point. I'm just going to open it up. I'm going to. I opened the Psalms. I'm going to uh, randomly put my finger on something here. Like, how about this? And it just says, "Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee." And it goes on. So that that could mean something profound for somebody or it could mean nothing at all. So I think sometimes when we practice divination, bibliomancy, whatever the case is, sometimes maybe it could be a form of what I call paranormal pareidolia, where we find yeah. meanings in things that aren't necessarily spiritually or divinely there, but it still has meaning to us when we see it. Absolutely. It's like looking at cloud shapes and seeing a pig, mm-hmm. a pig with wings. You know, it's that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that because if things have meaning for people, then why not? Especially, especially if the meaning somehow uplifts you and and helps you in your life. And maybe you're looking for a sign and then you create that sign in your mind and and you see it in the cloud or a feather you find in the ground and has meaning. And it just, it does something to you where you feel connected to something larger than yourself. And, and I got to say, Ryan, I really do believe that we are connected to something much larger than ourselves, and that we all are really connected if you go deep down into it. But I just feel like doing the board for me, what it's done for me is that it allows me to connect to something much greater than myself and to be able to find a way to communicate with that. And this is the feeling that, uh, again, whether you practice with the Ouija board or you practice with prayer or meditation, people tend to describe uh, enlightenment or they tend to describe communication with something more divine as being positive. This is all a very uh, overwhelming sense of love, a very overwhelming sense of compassion and all the beautiful things in the world. Again, totally contrary to the darkness or the evil and all the things that, that we're told by pop culture and religion and stereotypes of things like that. So if you, if you look at the Ouija board then or the talking board, and if you think about it as kind of like a tool in a tool bag, then like the Bible could be a, a hammer. The Ouija board could be a screwdriver. You need different tools for different jobs and you're going to build, the, you know, build the same house, but you might need several different tools to build that house. And in order to communicate with the divine in various uh, in various uh, circumstances, environments, various states of mind, you're going to need different tools to do it. Sometimes for people, it's prayer. Sometimes it's a Bible. Sometimes it's a particular religion. Sometimes it's a Ouija board or a talking board. Does that make sense? Sure does to me. Absolutely. And I would say the Ouija board is more like my electric drill. It has many different <laughs> bits on it. So I could change out the bits and do almost everything. Because <laughs> that's what I do. I, you guys, I use this tool and I have a lot of tools. Like I said, I do a lot of different kind of scrying and necromancy or uh, all the stuff we're talking about, speaking to communicate with the, with the deceased or whatever. There's so many different ways to do this. But my my one and go-to tool always in the beginning is, is Ouija because it's just been so, it's been so powerful for me. And I've been, after, this is what I call it. I almost like crack the code of using this tool to reach into different levels of consciousness. And that's basically what I'm doing. And it's, and it's through my intentions, but it's also because I believe I'm so open to this because I've always believed that there was other energies out there. If I just found the way to communicate with them. And then I did, I, I knew stuff this before I started with the board. I came into the world knowing these things, having these connections and the board just kind of solidified it for me and found and gave me another tool, as you said, um, to do this work, to, to reach into the unseen dimensions and, and to make these contacts. Well, vir- virtually, quite virtually everything is unseen. I mean, the electromagnetic spectrum and white light within the electromagnetic spectrum is a small, tiny, itty bitty, less than a percent percentage of everything that we believe in the mainstream scientific community to exist in the universe. And the mainstream scientific community's view of that is very similar to the ancient occult and esoteric view 
that this is a very, very tiny, tiny, itty bitty, small slither of everything that exists, a sliver of everything that exists in the universe. So clearly there there has to be things beyond this. Something is animating my body. Something is speaking through this gross, decaying matter. So there has to be something beyond this. I think that's a simple, obvious proof of just looking in the mirror and recognizing consciousness or seeing the beauty in, in, uh, in, in a piece of art, etc. That's proof to me. You have to be willing to step outside of what we've been told or only been taught and to, and to allow yourself to maybe study some esoteric subject matters. Um, to have some of these experiences, to, to find meaning, to look for meaning. And that's kind of where it all starts. You're like, well, well, what is this about? What's this experience about? And is there something more to it? And sometimes people go to religion to find that. They go to the different sacred texts. Nothing wrong with to that. find it, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nothing wrong with it. It's all, it's all part of the, like you said, different tools to use. But we, but we start to go, well, there's so much. What else is there to life? Come on. What? And the biggest question is this. What happens to us? when we no longer exist here and our body decays all the way or, or where do we come from and so these these huge these two big questions where do we come from where do we go at the end of all this it's like that really makes us search and then and we so can- i find this is another reason why we just so popular now people are really open to talking about these things especially on tv shows and it's very popular in every aspect of popular culture whether it's uh whether it's almost comical or if it's taken very seriously, very lightly or very heavily, Ouija board is everywhere or the talking board is everywhere. Karen Dahlman is with us tonight. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this with Karen. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the founding fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Board tonight on the Secret Teachings, Karen Dahlman, my good friend, author, Ouija board expert on the broadcast with us this evening to talk about the board or the talking board or the spirit board. She'll be with us for the rest of this hour. If you'd like to contact the show, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Find out on our website when the show's post for the Monday through Friday broadcast. By looking at the archive, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook, TST underscore underscore radio and Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. So what we know so far is that the Ouija board, some people pronounce it Ouija, but the Ouija board is a patented name. The talking board or spirit board is your general board. And we also know that the board, at least I, I hope you recognize this if, if you haven't already, the board is not an evil thing. It's not much different than any other tool we use to scry or maybe we practice uh, scrying through a black obsidian stone or a black mirror, which is what we do with our phones and tablets and computers and TVs. Or we do it through a crystal ball, crystallomancy. Or we uh, say those things to ourselves like, you know, if, if I make this light, something good's going to happen or what does God want me to know today? And I open up the Bible and read a Bible verse, and maybe it has no meaning, but through some kind of spiritual paranormal pareidolia, I derive meaning from it. And as long as it has meaning and it and it is an encouragement and it's a positive thing and you feel the love and you feel the joy and you feel the compassion, whether it's a board or it's a Bible or it's something else, then I think we're moving in the right direction. But Karen Dahlman has a lot to say about the Ouija board. She's written a couple of books and if you haven't gotten a copy of them, Karen, where can listeners get the books? And then I would like you to tell us what we might not know about the Ouija board. Give us some history. Give us some information. What would you like listeners to know about that board, the talking board, spirit board, etc.? Yeah, so you can find my books uh, either at KarenADolman.com. I do have three books out. I'm working on two more. And you can also get them on Amazon.com. And the cool thing is right now, Ryan, I'm, I'm converting my books to uh, Audible. So you can start getting the, the download of, of the audio version of my books. And that's the first one's going to come out, I think, in December. And then the rest are going to come out in spring. In so your voice? Uh, no, I hired a, a producer for this. Okay, yeah. so someone else is going to be reading your books. Yes, a professional person who reads these with the right kind of everything, sound and all that. But her voice is similar to mine in the way she speaks. And so I was like, I've auditioned a lot of people. And I'm like, oh, I think her voice is even just it's just better. I mean, it's like, it's, it's bright. It's it's. Exactly what I'd like. You found a better um, so, Karen Dahlman? 
It's the better version of me. Let's say that. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could sound like her. She just pronounces things really well, doesn't speak too quickly like I have a habit of doing. And um, she's just bright and cheery, but also um, fun when you hear her read. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. But yeah, so check check me out at KarenAGalman.com. Um, and then the books are also on Amazon. You can get paperback and Kindle and soon Audible. So yeah, you, you, um, you ask a lot about the Ouija board when you say, what, what is it that people don't know? There's so much to say, but I'd love to talk a little bit about its history, if I may. You absolutely so, may. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the history. Great, because as I, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, the first board was really a talking board that came out, and it was in 1886. Now, we researched this, and, and we know this because there was articles written in like the Boston Globe. So what had happened was out of a spiritualist community in Ohio, people just started in this one community, started taking their cutting boards or their tabletops and pieces of wood and writing letters and numbers on them. And they would use some kind of pointing device. And eventually they started using baskets turned upside down and they just found a way to use something that can move around on top of the board to spell out letters. And you got to remember now, during the 1886, we're kind of the middle of the spiritualist movement. It started in 1848 with spiritualist movement. 1886, you're like close to almost 40 years into it. And then it goes on into the early 1900s. It was a big movement. And people were trying to find all these different ways to reach out to those, their loved ones who are transitioned in the afterlife. And that's, that's where it started. So we know this because there was a letter that was written to the Boston Globe and talked about this craze that was hitting Ohio spiritualist camps. You can communicate. And it's amazing how this thing works. Well, then also that same year, a little bit later, there was a company um, that uh, made a board. The first board that was made, um, I would say, made, manufactured, is called the Witch W-I-T-C-H, witch board, like witches in Halloween. So it was called the witch board, and it was made um, out in Massachusetts. And this board was actually sent to President Grover Cleveland when he had his marriage uh, in the White House, the only president ever got married in the White House. So he was sent this board, and with, with it was a letter. And the letter said, you know, congratulations on your marriage, blah, 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 blah. The interesting thing about that letter is that they took it and sent it also to the journal so they would be so they would publish it, and then it went viral. Well, Grover Cleveland responded to receiving this gift, and he said something like, Dear sirs, I really appreciate your ingenuity, but I do not think I will consult the state of affairs of our country using this device, but thank you for this lovely gift. And that was then sent also to these journals, so it, it also went viral. So huge so publicity. It, but why not? There was a publicity stunt for this company, the W.S. Reed, uh, Walter, W.S. W. S. Reed Company, novelty company who created this first board, the Witchboard. So along comes this business group of men and one woman. They decided, let's ride this wave. This tool is getting crazy, you know, advertisements. It was the president, you know, in Ohio. It's hitting all the journals. They decided to create one themselves. And that became the Ouija board. And that's the one that took off. It was in 1890 when they introduced it. 1891 is when they patented and they produced it ever since then. It changed many different hands, many different companies. But it's the William Fold Company that had it the longest, the most people probably are are familiar with. And they finally sold it to Parker Brothers in 1966. And then 1967, it outsold Parker Brothers 
largest selling game of the day, and that was Monopoly. It outsold it and actually sold two. I remember you telling me that. That's that's pretty amazing because Monopoly is a huge game, huge game. It was. You've got to think. Now, that was that's just the first year they took it over, but it already had this whole background to it with, with William Fold. William Fold uh, was great. He was a varnisher of the original company. He worked his way up. He ended up get, having stock, holding stock. Then he ended up getting the whole company to himself. And his whole family took it over uh, and, and created it, manufactured it for all those years. Other boards came out, other spirit boards, talking boards. You'll see them. I have a collection of those, too. And like really cool designs, like in the 1940s, they got into the Far East and they started doing things with the, the like a Sahara scene or Egyptian scene, or they just really started bringing the Far East into these images on the boards. And those were called spirit boards. Uh, I have one called the Swami boards is really cool. I've got the mystic tray. There's some really cool boards out there. Um, and, and those just could not compete. They did sell but they did not sell like the William Fold board sold. And then when it went to Parker Brothers, they took it on and really ran with it as well. Who owns it now is Hasbro because Hasbro also owns Parker Brothers. And that's the company that has it now. But like I said, they will allow the rights to be used by their companies. They'll, they'll give them permission to use that. So when you're looking at these, world. when you look at these old boards, were these made similar to how they're made today where it's basically a piece of wood or some material and it's kind of like a sticker or something that's pre-made or were they hand-painted, hand-carved in those days? Was the planchette handmade, or was it all just like mass production, kind of like stickers? Well, no, I, and that's great you asked that question because they originally, the, one of the oldest ones, they're made with planks. And then on the back side of the board, you'll see these two uh, solid pieces of wood that hold the planks together. And so they were actually literal wood cut and put together. And then they would spray the paint or paint over on top of the board with stencils is how they did it. So it was like stencils, they'd lay out, paint it, and then they would varnish it. And they would hand make, or I should say cut, they would have the, the wood cut and then put the peg legs in there. They had really tall peg legs back in the day, but it was real wood. Like what you find today, um, boards, they are made out of just cardboard with a sticker on them. <laughs> a big sticker, right? Unless you make your own. Now, um, I have some boards. I have boards that are wood. I have the compressed particle boards. You know, the masonite boards, cardboard boards, but you can also get boards that are made, even though I use the term board, I have them that are made from glass, aluminum. They made them, they were doing aluminum for a while. There's glass boards out there. I have a wooden tree stump board. I mean, you can make them out of a lot of different materials. A cardboard, you mentioned earlier, I use paper sacks, pizza boards, everything you can make them out of. And people say, well, which board works the best? And I said, well, the board that you resonate with, the board that works for you, you know, what do you like? And so I can, I've never met a board I don't like, I, every board <laughs> I, or that doesn't work for me, right? I don't, it, it just, everything works because I work. We have to talk about that now because everything's, it's the, the reason why these boards work is a special board has to be manufactured or made by Hasbro or has to be, they think there's energy in it or something. And, and I'm here to say that's not the case at all. I mean, I have to say, and this is one of the things that people don't really know about the board. The board does nothing. The board is neutral. We're the ones that give all everything to it. Just like it's a just, just like a gun, just like a gun or any other yes. tool or weapon, yes. et cetera. Just like a gun or your phone, it doesn't work by itself. I mean, it has a computer in it, but you have to be the person, you know, monitoring, answering it, opening it up. Sure, there's programs behind it. It's working behind the scenes. But if you want to answer the phone, you're going to have to answer it or push the button or whatever. And this is the same thing here. You have to be working. People say, why, don't, why does my board work? Because you don't work, <laughs> you don't have. Ch- you do not know how to channel yet. <laughs> and, it's and true, I laugh though, it's when true. I say, 
It's true. You have to learn to channel. And to learn to channel, the function is, again, what I mentioned earlier, getting out of your logical way of thinking, more of the left brain thinking, and get more into your creative way of thinking, the right brain. It's getting out of your way, away out of your ego and just saying something possible is happening here. And you don't have to worry about how or why, but let it happen. I have, I have friends and colleagues, especially even on the Talking Board Historical Society, who um, believe this, this tool only works because of the idiomotor. Um, or they believe they're only talking to their inner self. Well, I believe it's a little bit of everything, and I do believe I am talking to energies outside of myself as well. Um, there's just too many interesting things that have happened along the ways of doing this. But, I mean, yeah, I think what, people think that the board does something, and that's why every board works for me because I already know how to channel. That's it. I know how to channel, put a board in front of me, it becomes my theatrics to sh- showcase my form of channeling, which happens to be this planchette moving around. Now, what about genetic memory, like cellular memory, genetic memory where it's it's you, but it's not necessarily you. It's kind of like your ancestors, but it's in your body, and that's part of the... Uh, the muscular contractions and all the subtle things. Have you ever thought about that? Anybody ever asked you that? Maybe it's like a genetic memory, and it, it is, in a sense, ancestors, relatives, and they're working directly through your body, not even outside of your body. It's directly coming through you. Yeah, I've actually thought about that many times, and I'm okay with that definition as well, because I call that cellular memory, not cellular, cellular memory. Because I I do believe it's it, working as a past life therapist, when I was when I was practicing as a psychotherapist and I would do past life regression or just regression and we'd follow it back and it could go to a past life or in between life or even a future life. I feel like there is that aspect of ourself that's never forgotten. It's like we're kind of like we're um it's like stacking the the the, the, the lives on top of each other. And if you really think about what, what um some of the science is starting to say quantum physics is starting to say that it's like, it's, it's kind of like everything's happening now kind of thing. Um, so it, it, I feel like we are having experience now of all these different lives of all of our ancestors. It's all now somehow you can tap into that. Yeah. And you can tap into that with past life memories. And then maybe it's not really in a past life or you could tap into the memories of your ancestors in your DNA. You can, you could even work with that and call upon that through the board. And maybe it's that's their energy that's coming through your DNA. Like you said, there's just so many levels you can look at this tool. And so my thing is I'm, I, I love talking about that and exploring that people, getting people's opinions and, um, cause it really is opinions. It's we like, don't know for sure. It's philosophy, <laughs> it's, it's philosophy, science, physics, religion. It's like a yeah. bunch of stuff mixed in together, isn't it? It really is. And so there really is no one answer. And I'm cool with that as well. That there, I just know something's working here. And the something that's working is quite powerful. Now what that's, ab- that's how I see it. Now, what about the name? So Ouija. So a lot of people say Ouija. To me, it sounds mm-hmm. like Ouija. And it sounds like French. And then I don't know much about French, but I did, I did learn a lot of German in school. So Ja, J-A is yes, like yes in German. So Ouija sounds like yes, yes in two different languages. What is the basis of that? And it, it is Ouija, not Ouija. Is, that, is there an appropriate way to say it? Yeah, yes to both those questions. So so let's start with the, how to pronounce it. So you can say Ouija or Ouija now. Originally, phonetically, and I, you'll hear me say both, but I mostly say Ouija, because phonetically, when it first came out, and I'm a purist when it comes to Ouija board, I really like all the facts about it, they put the planchette and the board in boxes, and they would put the phonetic spelling on there, and, it, and they said it's pronounced Ouija. And they go W E E J A we ja, and so that's how we knew. To, how, that's how we know how to really pronounce it. Although um, the vernacular over the years, it's kind of changed, and people say Ouija. And since that's being said so much now, you can say it and get away with it. But a, but a purist will say, well, that's not really correct, but you can say it. We'll let you. We'll let it slip by. <laughs> but 
So for years, for years, people thought we ja was we, like you just said, yes for French and ja, yes for German, the yes, yes board. Well, here's, here's the facts about it. So what happened is back in 1890, the, the gentleman and the one woman who developed this tool were sitting at the board. So it was Elijah Bond, who's the patent attorney. We had Charles Kennard there, who owned the Novelty Company, the Kennard Novelty Company that first produced them. And then we had Miss Helen Peters was sitting there, and her fingers were on the planchette along with um, Elijah Bond. Now, they're, they're sitting there using the tool, and they decided to ask, just they called it, they called it the, um, this device. They decided to ask the device, what should we call this thing? And it's spelled out O-U-I-J-A. And they said, well, what does that mean? And it said, good luck. And so what's interesting was, so there's, there's three parts of the story. And we have a new piece that I'm going to share with you today. And I've only shared this a few times now. It's not so much out there in the public at this point because it's, we just found this stuff recently. When I say we, I'm talking about the people at the Talking Board Historical Society. Yeah, and we'll talk, talk a little bit about that in, in, in either here or in a little bit oh, tonight. Oh, great. Great. Okay. So so the woman sitting there, Miss Helen Peters, had this necklace with a locket on it, on her neck. She opened it up, and inside there, there was a picture of a woman, and it said, O-U, <clears throat> excuse me, O-U-I-J-A or O-U-I-D-A. Now, they said, were you thinking about that? She said, I wasn't thinking about that. So... O-U-I-D-A, WIDA, was a very famous feminist writer at the turn of the century and going into the, from the 19th century into the, into the 20th century. She was a famous turn of the, turn of the century of a feminist writer. And so it very well could have been OIDA because it would make sense. Here's Miss Helen Peters. She's a businesswoman. Um, she's got a business deal here, and she's pretty avant-garde to maybe wear a necklace of this woman that said OIDA in it. Now, here's some new information that we just found out more recently. Well, Miss Helen Peters eventually married a man uh, with the last name of Nosworthy. Now, Mr. Nosworthy's w- mother was very much into spiritualism. And one of her favorite spiritualists of the day was Cora Hatch. Now, Cora Hatch has many different names because she was married, I think, four or five times. But most people know her as Cora Hatch, uh, C-O-R-A Hatch. Look her up. She's one of the most popular, famous, uh, really an incredible spiritualist, like medium psychic of the day. So it wouldn't be un- uncommon for somebody to really uh, honor her as well. So very well could have been a picture of Cora Hatch, and her spirit guide's name was Awina, O-U-I-N-A. And Awina was this Native American spirit guide, and that was, that was, a, that was her spirit guide's name, Awina. So maybe Miss Helen Peters was wearing a locket, of, of Cora Hatch with the name Owena above it. So we're not sure. We don't have the answer to that one yet. So at the, the Talking Board Historical Society, you guys do, you're a secretary there, I think it says on the website, whatever the That's title. That's right. I'm one of the officers. I'm a secretary right now, and I'm also one of the directors. That's correct. And you guys do investigation into the history of the board. So everybody there is just as excited about Ouija as you are. Oh, yes. And, and by the way, I have the smallest collection out of everybody there. Everybody there has hundred, hundreds, and Bob Merch has over a thousand. And so you're just approaching triple digits. So, so they've got they've yeah, got a lot more I, than I, you. I, they're in the triples already. So you guys, we are so crazy about the board. And what I mean, I, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. We love Ouija. We love the history about it. We love the people that use it, why they use it. So we celebrate this. We honor this. We share this publicly. We do a lot of events where we will show, showcase 
we, we, we have a traveling museum we take with us. We showcase that. This is the group that brought you the world's largest Ouija board called Ouijazilla, which we released. Well, I remember that, um, yes. You remember that in Salem Commons? Salem, Massachusetts, in the fall of 2019. It was a wonderful event. Um, this is a group that brought you WeijaCon. We've also put plaques up where, where Ouija first started, was first being built. That's in, that's in uh, Baltimore. Uh, we put some gravestones in for Elijah Bond, the patent attorney. That's in that's also in uh, Baltimore. And there's one that we've just put in recently. Uh, in 2018, it was for Miss Helen Peters. She was buried in an unmarked grave, and some of her family members were too. We gave the family a brand new, a huge, and by the way, when I say we, all of you out there who support us, we're a nonprofit organization, donated money, and we were able to get a beautiful um, headstone, not a headstone, it's huge, it's not, it's not just a headstone, it's huge, a monument, I'll call it that. Uh, properly bur- burial for her with, with the rest of the people that were in her, that are in the same grave. And she is now, her stone is now on the walking tour um, at the cemetery over there, um, uh, Fairmont Cemetery over in Denver, Colorado. So we do things like that to celebrate the history, to honor it, to talk about the people who have used it, to bring you that information and bring you the facts, bring you the facts of what it's really about. So did they, f- I'm just curious, did they find you? Or did you kind of co-found this group? Because they've been around for about a decade, right? Well, we've been around almost a decade, 2013. So, uh, no, so you, 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 don't get, you don't get to find them. They have to come and knock on your door. <laughs> That's how this works. So um, they came to me. And so I, I was invited. They were formation for two years. I, and I spoke at, I was one of their head speakers at um, WeijaCon, if you recall, Ryan. And then it was a couple of years later where they 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 watch what I do in the world in terms of what how my what I like about the Ouija board and how I share it and you really got to be to to be in that group uh, as a director really have to be somebody who's really out there uh, really working with the board and and sharing about it and um, putting your putting um, Ouija out there in the forefront if if you will so they they knocked on my door and tapped me and said would you would you be willing to be in our group and I was like honored of course of course I would. So, um, and, and we have events we do, like I said, and also we have a, a museum that we've been taking up to Michigan Paracon every year. This year we didn't have it, but all the other years we have, and we'll have it again next year. And then this is when we, you have a chance to come out and really see some of our collection. We have some really rare old boards and cool boards. And so it's, it's really, it's a great group. These guys are all very talented. I'm, only, I'm the only woman in the group. All the rest are men. It's kind of like the founding members. They were all men, but one woman. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Um, well, you know, so, so, very so you, talented people. you've got a, you've got a background in a lot of things and we haven't gone over all that. I mean, licensed counselor, uh, obviously you're an author, you got experience of hypnosis, past life regression, channeling. Did those things come before the board or did the board come, uh, you know, after those things Did you learn more, uh, perhaps about the spiritual realm from the board or from doing hypnosis and channeling, or is it all just kind of one big life experience? Can you talk to that a little bit? Oh, sure. So, so but if I back it up, at the age of two, I remember having a, whatever we call an imaginary playmate. Um, it was, this, this little guy was not imaginary, very much real. And um, I, I had abilities to see things. Like I would see things people didn't see. I, I was able to talk to this uh, being a really friendly little, look like a little Sprite or elf. And I, and I thought I put him away because I went to school. My mom said, you can't talk to people that aren't there. I said, well, this person really is here. And she goes, no, you need to quit pretending. And I said, well, I just said, zip, don't talk about it anymore and went to school. But it was when I got, when I was eight years old, when the board came back into my life. And when that happened, um, 
it, it kind of opened up the world again for me. And I started making those connections again to the unseen dimensions that I come into the world already doing just naturally. But I, but because we're told, many of us are told um, as kids, no, that's, that's not real. You, you, there's no, you're not seeing spirits. You're that's, you, you can't talk to spirits. So that's not really there. Or you, you never saw that aura around that person. You don't see those lights in the sky. You know, aliens don't visit you or whatever they would say. It makes it shut down. And so that's kind of where I was. I was shut it back down, but the board opened it back up for me. And in fact, it was these earlier experiences of the unseen dimensions that I wanted to study psychology, that I thought I need to understand more about humanity and man and man and why we do what we do and, you know, deeper, deeper meaning to life. And I really got into Carl Jung, who studies this. And, and he had, by the way, a, um, a daemon or you could call it a daemon, not a demon, a daemon. I know you know the difference. Um, or he, or a spirit guide, he called it, which he felt was very much separate from himself. And that spirit guide's name was Philemon. And he would talk to Philemon. And I was so tickled when I was reading that in college and then in graduate school. I was like, yeah, that's what I had too. I was doing that myself at a young age. It just kind of gave me the permission again. And it really, becoming a therapist and studying and all the, the work I did on that, as well as continuing education units, I was always going to events, always learning more and more. I got into hypnosis and, uh, and then got into re- past lives and regression work and all that. I started realizing the world's so much larger than we've been told. And so it just kind of grew from there. But it was because I, I believe the, the trajectory was there when I was born. I came to this world because I've done this before. <laughs> I've done this kind of um, this kind of divination type work before. This is not my first rodeo, I would say. I didn't use a Ouija board until, I don't know, like eight years ago. I'm 31. I'm a little bit younger. And I grew up with a very similar situation. My my mom always told me that the things I was seeing were not there. The difference was I didn't really have um, what they would call an imaginary friend. I, I just had experiences with things that were really, really, really dark. And I didn't even watch most uh, mostly t- TV. I didn't really watch a lot of movies because it was all like satanic to the Christian side of things for the most part. So I wasn't really exposed to a lot of things yet. I was seeing things that later as, as, a, as an adult, I watched movies and TV shows. I'm like, oh my God, I saw things like that visually when I was a kid and people told me I was out of my mind. I was crazy making it up. It's all these things. Um, and, I, and when I think back, just based on your story, when I think back, that's really what drove me to do what I do now with radio. It's having these experiences, people telling you that they're not real. In your case, they sounded more positive. In my case, they were not positive at all. And I mean, I guess positive in the sense that they encouraged me to do what I do, but very negative at the time. Uh, but that inspired me to do what I do today and everything else. Uh, I mean, I found the Ouija board along the way, and it's always been a positive experience for me, just like um, anything, a cult or esoteric, uh, learning about history and mythology and all these things. It's always been a really positive experience. As is talking with you, Karen, and we'll continue the conversation when we come back from break here on The Secret Teachings. What is the website again, and where can listeners find the books? Yeah, KarenADalman.com. Go to Amazon.com. Type in my name, Karen A. Dahlman. And also, if you want to learn more about the Talking Board Historical Society, TBHS.org. Talking Board Historical Society. TBHS.org. Karen A. Dahlman is the website. She has a couple of books out, The Spirit of Alchemy, The Spirits of Ouija, and The Spirit of Creativity. In The Spirits of Ouija, you have the history of the Ouija board, correct? Yes, I do. All right, a lot of what you just shared. Karen Dahlman, my good friend, our guest this evening on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us.
The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the founding fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Final segment tonight with Karen Dolman, tbhs.org, talkingboardhistoricalsociety.org. Karen A. Dolman is the website. You can find her books. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. And on the website, the archive, whether it's the free one or if you are a subscriber, thank you so much. Go back into the archive and you'll find a lot of shows over the years we've done with Karen Dolman here on the broadcast. One thing I wanted to mention, because uh, especially for those of you who listened to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis right before the Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, you remember that Clyde has done a number of shows 
And I've also done a few shows here myself on the secret teachings about something, someone, a spirit, something called Dr. Heldor, spelled in a variety of different ways, sometimes almost playfully. But a Dr. Heldor came up one time in a session with Clyde on his show, and he did, I think, a follow-up show to that. And then one night, it had been a long time, but my fiance Hope had asked me, she's like, I want to do the Ouija board. I want to try it with you. And she said, I, you know, I respect the space and, and I understand, you know, your view of this is way different than, you know, my friends and what I've heard about this stuff. And so, you know, take me through it. Let's do it. So she and she didn't listen to any of those shows with Clyde. So she sits down, we sit down, I kind of open the space and you know, I like to do things very purely and cleanly and very ritualistically. And I don't really do a lot of ceremonial stuff, but I, I, I set the space and we sit down and we did it. And we went through a couple of different call them whatever, spirits, entities, energies, etc. And we ended up getting to this one thing, spirit, entity, doctor, etc. And uh, spelled out the name Heldor. And I mean, it, maybe it was me subconsciously. It certainly wasn't Hope because she's she didn't even know who Dr. Heldor was. So I, I later explained it to her. But Heldor came out and I, I have a copy of this. I, I was writing this down. And uh, what he was saying or she was saying or whatever it is, what it was saying, very similar to what it had said to Clyde. And I ended up contacting Clyde and we talked and we ended up doing another show together on it on Ground Zero. But just really interesting. I mean, even outside of the subconscious uh, elements and the, and the muscle contractions and all that stuff, uh, you know, when you have a, a spirit or a guide or a, a soul or something that is taking on the same name and, and telling us very similar things, that I mean, I, I believed, if you will, faith. I, I had belief and trust in the Ouija board before. I thought it was fascinating. But when that happened, that really, and this was like three years ago, when that happened, that really set me off. And I started to use it more often after that. I recognized that there's something even more powerful than I thought with this. And it's something I want to be a part of more often. I don't know if you knew much about that story with Dr. Heldor. It was a big thing that happened, uh, Ground Zero with Clyde and then here on The Secret Teachings. It was just totally fascinating. Same thing happened to both of us, uh, different settings, different times, different parts of the country. We were talking to the same thing or the same person, Karen. Yeah, and I, it begs me to wonder if you guys have tapped into some kind of archetypal energy, you know, like Carl Jung talked about, the whole archetype. I mean, but, so, the, so the archetypal energies are universal, and we may call them like the, the old man or the puer puella, the eternal boy, eternal girl. There's different names for them. And I feel like the concept of Zozo is right, right along those levels, too, in terms of it's, you're tapping into some kind of archetypal energy. Now, does it make it real? It, what it does, it makes that energy real for the person as they tap into it. And so, so I, there's just no doubt in my mind that that's the possibility of tapping into and talking to on the board. And I knew a little about Heldor. Um, I remember hearing about it from Clyde somewhat. Um, and I knew it was some kind of archetypal thing. And that's what it felt like. And I, I believe he even, I believe he even said that himself. He felt like it was like a union archetype that you guys were tapping into. But um, yeah, I, listen, people talk to the gods and goddesses of yesteryear from Roman and Greek times. I have people who reach out to me and tell me they speak to certain types of um, um, uh, gods or, or daemons from different divination tools or, or uh, different kinds of religions. 
So I'm not opposed to it. I really think there's energies out there and we can tap it. If we know, find, if we can find the way to tap it, we could do it through our intentions or we could do it through just subconscious. Maybe because you and Clyde, you know, you both have, you resonate really well together. You guys are good friends. Uh, you have a very similar energy and a lot of stuff you guys talk about. I would be surprised you're able to tap some of the same stuff well, what's, for that reason. And what's really strange about it is what, what the, the Dr. Heldor character told Clyde and he told him a lot of things, but one of the things that Dr. Mm-hmm. Heldor told Clyde, uh, I, I believe one of the lines, he had a lot of stuff written down, but it was uh, watch your P's and Q's popes and Queens. Uh, the president will be sick. Uh, then there'll be there'll be some other issues related to this, and then what happened after that? We learned that the Pope is basically operating on one lung. the The Queen was very sick. The Queen has now died, and uh, right. of, of course, you know Joe. And even I remember Heldor had said something about Joe Biden having cancer. He's he acknowledged that. Uh, I think unintentionally he had cancer. Uh, he's right. very, he's very sick. So Heldor said <laughs> they all this stuff. Out of the carpet. Yes, they did. I remember that. Two two yeah. three years ago, Heldor said this stuff. He t- told Clyde in sessions on air, told me off air in sessions, and then we did other stuff together. And a lot of what Heldor said, and I don't think it's just stretching for you know meaning, uh, specifically no. naming popes, queens, <laughs> presidents, and uh, everything that Heldor said essentially has come true to some extent. That that to me is. Um, beyond the traditional divination, that's almost like, I mean, obviously in the spirit world, it's different, you know, than the physical world in terms of predicting the future. But uh, that's, there's a very predictive quality there, almost like time is nonlinear in that dimension, that realm. Correct. Yeah. And I've had people reach out to me and that's not my, my specialty is not prediction. Although I've done some uh, just by accident. <laughs> I'm not, that's not, that's not, not even interested in that. I'm more interested in, in uh, spiritual evolution and, and development of the soul and p- empowering people. But I have people write to me and people that I also know who use this tool for predictive reasons. And they've gotten some incredible things like, like before they even knew like uh, Mount St. Helens was going to blow before that was even a thing. They, they, they got it like 20 years in advance that Mount St. Helens going to blow. I did get something. This is interesting. And I'm starting to see it come to fruition I don't want to say too much about it yet because it's going to be in my next book. But it's interesting. I got, we were doing the board years ago. So I'm going to say this, it, this was in 1996. I actually found the, the, the writing I'd done. And by the way, I, I keep all my writings from my sessions going back to about 86. Uh, it was when so I, you got a big I, file me, of all this. Yeah, I do. I have them in boxes. It's crazy. Um, now I, it's a little more organized and I also record them, but there is this, there is this energy that came through. And at that time in 96, I was a practicing therapist living in Texas. And one of my other friends was a physical therapist and we were doing the board together. And this energy came through and identified itself as being extraterrestrial. Although they didn't say they were, they didn't go, we're ETs. They said, we are, we are of another dimension uh, outside of your galaxy. And they said, there's something that's going to come to pass in, in your world soon. And I go, when? They're like, we're just going to tell you it's soon. And you're, you're, what you understand and there's going to be many people like you who have an understanding who could think outside of the confines of what society has told you. You're going to be need to help people because there's going to be a great destruction and disturbance that's going to erupt in your world. I think we're in that space right now. And so they were just saying, be prepared. There's a lot of work you can do to prepare yourself for this. So you're not afraid when you're going to be needed. And it's not just me. It's many people. But they let me know that in advance. And that always kind of haunted me, not in a bad way, but in an interesting way, enough for me to write that one out, print it, and then 
actually sent it to that friend who we're still friends. And she goes, Oh my God, this is the time that's coming. It was, it, and we pulled it out around COVID time. And we're like, this is started because they were talking about the great sickness and how it would be dark times for people. And then you would come out, but then there'd be people would be so afraid because their lives would change in such drastic ways that they wouldn't believe it. it, it even seeing it, they're not going to believe it. Well, this they were, they were, they were actually from another dimension, another galaxy, and they're saying, you're going to actually see some of us come. I'm like, what? And I just, Ryan, it was so far out there. I filed it away until more recently and pulled it out since my friend. She's like, no way. I go, do you remember this? She goes, I sure do. Well, who knows? For, 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 first of all, who knows what's in those files? I mean, it could be all kinds of things that you're not looking for a prediction, which I wasn't either. But then these things, uh-uh, we, I wasn't. We, we write them down. I mean, it, it, that actually reminds me of David Icke in the 90s. David Icke talked about the, quote, truth vibrations a little bit before the time that you're talking about. But part of the reason I think we either trust in or we distrust in things like that, where we're talking about nonlinear time and predictions of the future, where they're not really predictions, it's just this is a timeline that we don't understand. It's it's all happening simultaneously. Um, I, I, I personally relate it to some other, like, let's say we talked about recently on the show, uh, I had uh, Derek Murphy on. We talked about mischief night in the zeitgeist. And we talked about vampires, werewolves, cannibals, and things like that, and what they actually mean. Like a werewolf is basically the animalistic state of the human. But there are other ways to look at a werewolf. A, were- a, were- a werewolf might be a creature that is trying to manifest in our world as a thing that makes us feel comfortable. It wants to communicate with us, so it manifests as a dog man, man's best friend. Uh, you know, a cannibal can actually be someone who eats another person or it can be cannibalistic, vampiric like energy uh, where we are abusive and aggressive and attack people with different points of view. That's cannibalistic. Same thing with a vampire. They might suck our energy, our life force or our literal blood or our currency, our money out of us, which is in and of itself energy. So vampires, werewolves, cannibals, these things can be interpreted in a, in a variety of ways, just like when people say, Oh, something big is going to happen. That could mean absolutely anything. There could be total destruction of society, of culture, of tradition, of everything, or there could be total destruction of infrastructure and things blow up and disappear, or there could be a paradigm shift for the better. You know, there's a lot of ways to interpret this stuff. So we have to be very careful and we have to kind of philosophize as we deal with these things uh, in nonlinear time and space as we know it. Absolutely. This is why I just don't have spoken about that one yet. <laughs> and you're right. There's so many messages that we get over the years. And it's a good thing I kept all this stuff. That one just stood out for me because it was like, oh, that was kind of creepy and scary in a way, thinking things are going to just be like they were saying major chaos, like things are going to fall apart majorly. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This is weird. But yeah, so we, we have to look at things on multiple levels. So when the guides come through for us, my partner and I, when we do the board, we find that there's many ways you can read something. Like you just said, you can hear it metaphorically. You may hear it literally. You can maybe hear it on three different, four or five different levels. Oh, yes, uh, something yes. In the past, future, present. You can't, yeah, and, and a lot of times you get these messages, which I'm looking back now. I saw when the guys were predicting the, the, the coming of, of um, coronavirus, and they were starting to talk about it years before. I mean, it was crazy, and they didn't say it in those words. But they, they said something, they talked about what this was coming and it was going to change the way, but also take, take away your freedoms and start talking about some of that stuff. And I, and I look back now and I go, wow, they were in a way, because they don't like to do, they tell me they don't want to do predictions, but they actually gave us 
some fodder in which we can look at it any way we want to. It could apply and what was going on in my personal life. It could apply to the greater, larger audience that I shared it with on my YouTube channel. Certainly. And it could apply even to what's going on now. So we really have to be careful. We do. We need to look at things multiple ways and not go, that's the only way it can be heard. Because if we do, we get stuck in that. And then we, we then we lose the message and we miss it often. Yes, so it's good to be open. No, that's a, that's 100% true. That's why I tell people that, you know, the apocalypse, the unveiling, the end of the world, the wane of souls and, and, and all of this that we associate with revelations in the Bible and the end of the world. All of that is really just the fall months, the fall of man, the lifting of the veil, the black horse, which is the death of, of, of the earth. Uh, Revelation, uh, Apocalypse, Armageddon. This happens every single year. It's part of a natural cycle that is, in my, in my view, it's told in a, uh, it's told in a metaphor. It's told in a story that, that is guaranteed yeah. to be passed down from age to age. But it's a super, super uh, articulate and scientific understanding of the world from thousands of years ago, preserved in story and myth. And that's a really beautiful, incredible thing. Now, that's more of the heavy end of this. If we go back to the light end of the Ouija board. You can do more than just maybe communicate with spirits and things like that. Uh, what about animals? I know we've talked about that before. And I was also thinking, what about a, a brand new uh, newborn baby? Can you speak to the newborn baby to talk to us about that, Karen, please? Try this. Can you speak to a fetus? Yeah. Can you speak to and a the fetus? Answer is, the answer is yes. Uh, I, my first experience was I was crazy. Is, is, I didn't know that it was possible. Is the fetus voting Democrat? I would imagine not. <laughs> no, in that case, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I cannot sorry, be an independent. <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy. Yeah, right. There's some crazy things that can happen. And, and what I've learned, okay, so, so this is how it went for me. This, this is the progression I think is important for people to understand. The Ouija board, when you get it, especially back when I got mine in, in the '70s, it, there's really no instructions or rules. It just said basically sit with your sit with a partner, uh, cross from each other, male, you female need a, preferred. You, you need a partner, right? And is the male, female something to do with the energy? Is that preferred because of that? Well, that's what they said. I don't know. And I just en enlisted my brother, who was a few years younger than I, and he would do it with me. And then um, I, I really think they there's a little, when they were explaining it, I really think that was part of the mysteriousness or mystique nature of it was to really be kind of, don't give rules. Let people project their stuff upon this, which is really smart marketing technique, because then you get to own it and make it your own, or you could get scared of it. So they didn't give you many directions. In this day, the board still doesn't come with a lot of directions. The Ouija board doesn't. If you get a board that's like a spirit board, you might get little booklets with them, and I've gotten a few of those. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting how they did that, how they marketed it. They really marketed it like that to keep it mysterious. And, and that's how the board is. But so I thought, it was only used because that's just out of the spiritualist movement. They were trying to communicate with their dead loved ones. We had Civil War, then in the early 1900s, we had the World War, all the big World Wars. It would it just keep the, the story going of talking to the dead. So that's what I thought you're supposed to do with this tool. So I'm like talking to all these little random spirits uh, who are people until, until 1989. And that's when it dawned on me. I'd already graduated or I should say I just graduated with my master's degree, was becoming a therapist, well, I was a therapist, but I was like, getting my licenses and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, because I love Carl Jung, as I mentioned earlier, and the archetypes, and he talks about this concept of the higher self. We all have this higher, greater self that ourselves is not stuck in our body only, it exists beyond. It kind of goes out into the aura, out to the universe, and touches the divine. And in that sense, if you can tap into that, you really can have the wisdom of the world at your fingertips, or in your heart, or your mind. So I thought, well, hell, that'd be fun. Let's Let's use the board to dial up ourselves. <laughs> Let's use the board to call up our higher self. 
And my two friends at the time were like, cool, that, that sounds kind of fun. Can you do this? Like, well, I don't know. Let's try. So for four years, we focused on doing that. And of course, we had other, other messages come through, but we worked with our higher selves. And I found it that, at that time. Now, looking back, and I can tell you this, during the time, I didn't know it. But I look back on that now and go, that was critical. That was crucial. That was my turning point to being able to tap into my own human superpowers, if you will, which are my abilities to be empathic, intuitive, sensitive, to hone in on these things, to be psychic, mediumistic, that's a hard word to say, mediumistic, um, to do all those things, to scry all these things we're talking about was when I once made the tap into my higher self. And then the guides, which I met later after this, I did this period, and then the guides came later. But they told me later on, in hindsight, they said, once you can make that connection with this greater part of you, it's like that's you plugging into your higher self, but it's you plugging into the universe. It's you plugging into the divine. You plugging into the wisdom of the ages. That's how you met us. And I was like, what? Okay. So here it goes. I, we speak to our higher self. We do this for four years. As we got better communicating with our higher selves, getting messages from this part of ourselves, it was really interesting because we got a lot of really uh, inspiring, empowering information. It really helped us in our lives, really practical, logical things that we could implement. But along the way, all of a sudden we started getting messages from angels. Now, I, I've never spoke to an angel before. I believed in guardian angels. I was Catholic. We, we, we had a guardian angel prayer, we would say, and I, we, had, we talked about angels sometimes. But I didn't know you could talk to them. The next thing you know, the angels are coming through. Then the extraterrestrials start coming through. That's when I got that message from one of the ETs. And then after that, the animals started coming through. It was just crazy stuff. So along the ways of, of making that connection, it opened me up. It's like I'm, a, I'm like not just a small little straw funnel. Now I'm like a, a fire hose. It's like I've really widened that connection where you start widening yourself up because I wanted to. There was no fear involved. There was not like, oh, demons are going to get me. It was about, wow, I can explore consciousness. I can explore sentience. I can explore other sentient beings. And the only thing that limits me is my mind. That's what I came to the conclusion of. So once I opened up to all these other beings coming through, then this one that we called the big one, because we didn't know what to call it. It didn't have a name. It said, it said I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty large consciousness you're tapping into. And I said, what can we call you? Because I don't have a name. Name us. Name me. And I said, well, we'll call you the big one. The big one was with us for maybe a few months. And it said, I'm here just to pave the way. Now I'm going to introduce you to these other beings that will come to you. It's a collective. And when they come through, they said that they will be with you for the rest of your life, Karen. And I was like, okay. And that's who I called the guides. I called them the sun and moon for years. Because when they entered, they came in, they planted, went up to the moon and did its spelling, then went up to the sun, did its message, and I started calling the sun and moon. And they felt like male, female energies, and now I've learned that they're collective, there's, there's no, they're androgynous, there's no really male, female energies, although in androgyny, when you're, when you're neutral, there's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. They kind of contain it all, and they're not, as I mentioned earlier, they're not, they've never been in physical body. They're nothing but extension of source. It's source wisdom coming through. It's like tapping the big kahuna. That's what it's like doing. And so, but it took a while for me to build up to that. Now, once I tap that big kahuna, <laughs> what is called the guides that I call them now, which are with me all the time. They come through in my voice channeling now. They come through in psychic readings I'm doing for people. They're coming through here. I can feel them right here. They're, they're super excited. We're talking about this um, because it, it, what it does, it doesn't say, look what Karen can do. It says, look what we all can do. They're not reserved just for me. Tapping into sources for everybody. 
And so it's become my mission now to teach that, to help people tap into their higher self first and to open up so they can have this direct connection with the divine. I like to call it the divine because it reminds me of my divinity, that I really am God. I really am it's, source incarnate. It's who I'm and God. what you are, an extension of infiniteness, an extension of some, again, use that word divine consciousness, uh, that is really the the foundation for all existence, and we call it the mind of God. We are just extensions of that. And, and you know, for some reason, um, the mainstream scientific community is starting to rec- recognize this yeah. uh, and acknowledge it. And it's almost like as they recognize it with hard scientific evidence, it's almost like they're stunned. And you don't even hear a lot about what mainstream science is finding because it's actually confirming what We've known in ancient texts and scriptures for literally tens of thousands of years in some cases. This is what the, the basis of, of human experience has been. People have known this, whether that came from aliens or some ancient human civilization that, got a, that was advanced and then was destroyed or naturally dissolved over time. And we have little remnants of that. Uh, modern science today is proving what a lot of the ancient concepts of the Gnostic scriptures and gospel Uh, It's proving what these people believed and what these people taught and what these people preserved and things that we just see as myth or story, which at their foundation really are scientific. We're always trying to understand, uh, label the world around us, trying to align ourselves with it, etc. And that's an unbelievably powerful thing that you're right. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about all of us being able to do this. And if you don't feel comfortable with the Ouija board, don't we use the Ouija board? Use use something else that makes you feel comfortable and that makes you feel um, at home and makes you feel safe is really, I think, uh, the, the best way to summarize and the best way to, uh, to provide advice to anybody who's really, really interested in this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought the Gnostics. I, if anybody says, what religion are you? I would say I'm agnostic, not Gnostic, but agnostic. I, I, there's, there, it's the predecessor to modern day Christianity. They believe they had the ability to connect directly with this divine energy I'm talking about. They believe they had that direct relationship. And I always have believed that. I've always known that. And then just the Ouija board became a way to do that. And, and, and once I was able to do this, then, then the animals started coming and speaking with me. And, and Ryan, it's gone to the place where now you can speak to the consciousness, the sent, any being that's sentient. You can communicate with trees, with plants, with wild animals. Everything that this is alive with the with the with the sentience, you can communicate with. It's not it's not unfathomable. This is panpsychism. This is which is a, a, is. a very mo- much more modern theory, but it's the old idea of animism. Everything is animated with spirit, soul, consciousness, etc. Huh? Just different levels of it, which is the what that's what the Rosicrucians said. They said there's elementals, then there's uh, uh-huh. the, the, so there's seven levels. So you have elementals, uh, and then you have things like the animal kingdom, the the plant kingdom, the human kingdom, the uh, the um, the kingdom of the demigod and the god consciousness, all these different elements that all also they they interloop with each other. So you have humans that might be more animal uh, than some animal, and some animals that might be more human than some humans, and, right. and so on and so forth. If if that makes sense, it does. I mean, it, it's it's that's exactly what it is. And there's nothing new under the sun. I just have a new way of saying it. Now the funny thing about this is I didn't study all that. I didn't know that until later. A lot later. So I was starting, I was in graduate school, I was getting into mythologies and different religions and cultures. I've always been fascinated with that. And as I was learning about the Native American way, all these different Eastern philosophy, and, and I was studying that in, in different kinds of meditations and yogas, and I was getting into it. But 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 when I started getting down this, I was like, well, wait, this is nothing new. Not like I invented anything here. It's available to everybody. And many systems have, have found a way to tap into it. 
I like to call it systems because they're not all religions, but they're different types of systems who have found their own way to tap into this stuff or they talk about it. And I've just been able to find for myself that I can tap into the part of it that's very benevolent, that's super helpful and loving. And yes, there's, there's absolutely both sides to a coin, both sides. To the, I mean, we live in a dualistic uh, world. I mean, you're supposed to understand that the, the positive, the negative, the light, the dark, and all that stuff, the, the good, the bad. And I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying you can find where you want to put your energy and, and where I want to focus. And that's what I've been able to do. And it, it, to me, it's, it's amazing. This is why I love this tool. It's not just about collecting and how pretty these boards can be or how dark they can look or how, you know, light they can look. It's really about what I can do with them. So and you, it's become, for me, my cosmic phone, my great cosmic phone. I, I, I like that, the it. cosmic phone. Yeah, and I think, if, I think you've said that before, too. I, I, I like that cosmic phone. And this is, this is like when you think about traditional forms of ceremonial magic. Obviously, people think yeah. that's different than saying a prayer, but saying a prayer, getting on your knees, clasping your hands, closing your eyes, that's all to concentrate. That's what ceremonial magic is all about. Some people don't need to have the athame and the robe and the water and the salt and the air and the fire and all those things. Some people just need a Ouija board and they can do the same work, if not more work during uh, doing that than ceremonial magic. So if you're interested in magic and consciousness and things like this, you don't have to stick with, you know, ceremonial magic that seems to be for some people complicated to grasp. Most of it is very complicated. Some of it's complicated because it's powerful and you want to, you know, the writers and the people that develop this stuff want to make sure that people who are not ready to experience those things and so it doesn't harm them aren't just going to jump into it. So that's why those things have typically been kept secret or what we call the secret teachings, if you will. Uh, but the same thing, if you want to try uh, another tool, again, a tool, oh, the Ouija board is a great example. If that doesn't work for you and you don't like ceremonial magic, maybe you just stick with prayer. Whatever it is that helps you to connect to the divine or to uh, the, the, the upper spiritual uh, or to the higher levels or spheres of the tree of life or the Kabbalah, you know, in Kabbalah, whatever it is that works for you is what's best. And I, I, I assume, I presume that's essentially what you're saying too, Karen. Absolutely. I've had people, ceremonial magicians reach out to me and tell me what I'm saying is like, wow, they're like, this is what we do privately. <laughs> like, I go, yes, isn't that funny? I said, we're, we all, as Buddha once said, it's like many paths lead, all paths lead to the top of the mountain. And you eventually get there. We all get to the same place. We just have different ways because we're all just, we're unique. Well, right, exactly. And this just worked for me so well. The Ouija board was just, I, I just, it just worked well. It was never judged in my family. I would, I, I got it on Christmas Day, uh, December 25th, 1973, went to church after I got it. I uh, did all that, came home, I used the board. And that was common. It was normal in my, my family. It was not a problem. So therefore, it was, it was always just a tool I used. And, and it was not never negated or, or, or scared or fearful. It was just always easy for me. Just easy. <laughs> we got around a minute. Before we have to wrap up, Karen Dahlman is our guest this evening. You've got the Talking Board Society, Talking Board Historical Society. You've got Karen A. Dahlman, the website, and you have a couple of books. Uh, we've mentioned those, The Spirit of Alchemy, The Spirits of Ouija, and The Spirit of Creativity. Can you please give us, make sure I got the websites right, give us the websites, give us the books, let us know where you can find the books, and uh, I know that you do, do you still do some YouTube shows and some things like that? Where can listeners find you? Where can they tune in to Karen Dahlman and, and see what you're up to? Great, great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, an honor and joy to be here back with you again. Um, yeah, so KarenADalman.com. I'm Karen A. Dahlman all over the internet. YouTube is Karen A. Dahlman. Uh, go to my website, join my newsletter if you want to know what, what I'll be. I, I travel around a lot. I speak at events. I'm teaching. I think my next big thing I'm doing is in Sedona. 
Ascension Retreat in March, mid-March, and I'll be teaching how to use this tool. I also will be speaking there. I'll have my books. I'll be selling and, and autographing. But, yeah, get, get, get my books on Amazon. Um, also, yeah, go to my YouTube show, as we mentioned. But if you're really curious about using the board, the book I recommend you to get is The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. I wrote that book after I'd been using the board for 40 years. Now I'm going into my 50th year, and that's the next it? book comes out. You're going to update it to Five <laughs> Decades of Communication? Nope, it's gonna. It's, it's about now my ways I've been able to crack the codes of consciousness. That's the title of my book, Cracking the Code of Consciousness, and how I've been able to do this on and off the board. And the stories are so profound. Wow, it just it's. A, and I'm going to be sharing some really heavy duty stuff, and some and some interactions I've had with different beings from other dimensions in physical form. It's just off the charts now, and I and I have to stress because this has happened for a lot of people, and the time is now. But if you want to use the tool, that's the book to get, The Spirits of Ouija Board, I get the communication. And thank you all so much for having me. And by the way, happy All Hells Eve to everybody here. As to you, Karen, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I've, I've, I mean, I can't believe we've been friends for as long as we have. I've forgotten. It's been like, what, six, seven years or something? It's unreal. Oh, try closer to eight or nine. Eight I, or nine? I, <laughs> I, I met you before I even went to Ouija Con. So I want to say it was like 2013 or 14. That was a so long like time ago. That's like right when yeah. I started to get into more professional radio. I didn't really start professionally until like 2015, but I was le- still learning. And we just had our anniversary last, uh, or the week before last, the 13th year anniversary. So uh, I've always appreciated. That's wonderful. Thank you, Karen. I- I've always appreciated our friendship. And I mean, I've gotten to hang out with Thank you a couple of times. You're a blast to hang out with. We got to hang out again sometime. We will soon. <laughs> All right. It's really fun. Karen Dahlman, our guest. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, the Ouija board, talking board, spirit board, all the things we discussed tonight. If you have any questions, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com or contact Karen directly. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. And as always, we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Broadcast.